Hello and welcome to the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. It is time to trial the teams. And uh, because we're going to be doing that, I can't do it alone. So, as always, is my dear friend and teammate Sarah uh, to Hello. help guide us through the team time trial and road race from Vagorda in Sweden and uh, everything else racing. Isn't that right, Sarah? <laughs> are you going to let me get to work? No, I'm not. Why, why are you talking? Why This is a show about women's cycling. Women shouldn't be talking about women's cycling. I'm from the UCI. <laughs> this would work better if everyone could see me do my my wide shifty eyes at that point where I was like, you know, you know how like someone who says something really stupid in a comedy and then looks sideways to see if anyone's realized that they've just said something really dodgy. I did that. It works. Hey. It totally works. <laughs> We see. had live racing. It was so exciting and brilliant. And well, Gorda and Sweden and the rain. And I now speak Swedish perfectly and fluently. I understand everything in Swedish ever anyone's ever said. Cool. Then can you tell the rest of us what it was that the Swedish chef was saying on the Muppets? He's saying, Dan, you're an asshole. <laughs> Ahead of his I know. Time. Yeah, yeah. I know. He used to say other things before you were born, but you know, yeah. <laughs> but no one was listening back then, so. Yeah. No, what are you talking about? The world didn't exist before I was born. I was born, and the world came into existence to entertain and nourish me. Oh, okay. Mm. Just like women's cycling. Yes, creation myths with Dan. Thank you very much for joining us for yet another episode. <laughs> So, yeah, it was Vigorda, the Open to Sweat Vigorda, mm. which, I mean, Vigorda's apparently this tiny, tiny place in the middle of nowhere in, in, in Sweden, and, but the race is always super fun. Um, one of my favourite things in the video are the giant, um, the giant hay bale sculptures they make every year of, of people dressed up as a man, a Swedish man and a Swedish woman. And they also have people playing ridiculous oil can drums on the hill, so that, so, and yeah, there was a little interviewette with Amelia Fourline where she's saying, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the best races to ride because they just go completely crazy any time any vaguely Swedish girl comes into view. <laughs> Which must just be so different from any time a Swedish girl goes anywhere in the world. <laughs> Are you suggesting that Amelia Fourline might have a big fan club? <laughs> I'm not suggesting a damn thing. <laughs> I think we all know the truth. Uh, so yeah, it was it was so it's the, it's round six and round seven of the Road World Cup, mm, mm. which is one of the most prestigious titles you can win in women's cycling. I'd say it probably goes World Champs, and then the Giro Rosa and the Road World Cup series as the top things that you want to win if you're a women's racer. Right, cool. And um, being, you know, a series, there's more than one of them to win. And uh, this one is also a little bit different because, as I alluded to in the intro, it's one of the the few opportunities through the course of the year for the women to ride a team time trial. Yes, and especially a 42-kilometer team time trial. Mm, which, you know, that's that's not to be sneered at. That's a pretty solid, solid distance to, you know, whip the team out and try and get something happening. Yeah, and they had. I mean, it's been it's been basically dominated by two teams, the Team Time Trial World Cup. One Cervelo Test team. Oh, I miss the Cervelo Test team, Dan. I miss them. I miss them. I miss them. I really? miss them. I've never picked up on that. I thought you were happy to see them, you know, move out. 
I miss them, I miss them, I miss them, I want them back, it's so unfair, life's unfair, why was I born? I didn't ask to be born, I just was about a test team. <laughs> but yes, um, it used to be this fellow test team, and then HTC won it, HTC High Road won it in 2011, and of course in 2012 HTC High Road became Specialised Lululemon, and won it again. And yeah, so, and Specialised Lululemon are pretty damn dominant, but this year they weren't first at the first checkpoint, which was quite exciting. Well, unless you were them, in which case it was, I assume, quite nerve-wracking. Well, I don't know, because I think they basically are riding to their own... Um, I mean, the, the, the time trust, it's 42 kilometres. They basically ride out from um, from Vagorda to uh, the town uh, Junger, and then they ride back, and that's mm. the part where they have headwind, tailwind, crosswind, wind, 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 and pouring rain this year. And then they ride over the 11-kilometre hill loop, which is what the race, the road race rides, and it rides in two days' time, so... It's kind of a. It's got a lot going on in there, and there are some, you know, some, some sharp corners to take as a team time trial team. You know, hills, that kind of thing, and obviously, with it with it being counted on the first four riders across the line, you've got to make sure that it, it, it's it's a very it's you know it can, it can be quite difficult if you start losing your yeah. riders too early. Yeah, I, and I mean, it's, I think that's part of what makes a team time trial so interesting is because it's not just about. Uh, a strong performance. It's about managing performances across the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, so so Specialized Lululemon were not first at the first checkpoint, which was surprising. But um, the final podium, they were. They still managed to win because they're superb and very fast. But what was interesting is for the last last year at the World Championships and you know the, the Vagoda and things like that, it was Specialized, Orica, Rabobank. And it was, it's been seen as, and I'm completely guilty of this myself, that the fight for the win is between Specialized and Orica, and the fight for second place is between Rabobank and other teams. But this year, Rabobank came second. So it turns out that all that time fighting for, for third has actually strengthened up their TTT, you reckon? I don't know. I think I think they just had a really, really. They think they really went all out for it. They're, mm. you know, it's. I mean, one of the reasons I'm very interested in the TTT is because we've got the trade team team time trial at the World Championships soon, yep. and so this is a really good. You know, it, it's yeah. I mean, it's a weird. I do still. I think we talked about this last week. It is a bit weird for me that you, you know, that, that you end up having like a rider like Mariana Voss isn't going to kill herself for the TTT TT um, because. She's got the road race coming up in two, in, you know, in a couple of days' time. So, yeah, interesting. Interesting, Daniel. That actually would be really interesting. In your, in your ideal situation, um, you're, you're running the, the trade team time-time trial um, for Worlds. Do you drop Mariana first? Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, I think Mariana would probably want a medal. Just because it's Mariana, and you know, well, it's something she hasn't won yet. Yeah, but I mean, presumably she gets the medal anyway if the if the team wins. No, 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 no. Because no, I don't know. I mean, it's one of the things I find completely weird about the trade team team time trial is that they don't get to wear rainbow jerseys or anything. Well, how could like, they? How could well, they? I mean, no. I mean, it's. Do you remember in the in the Tour de France they were 
um, when it was the teen time trial stage, they were penalising Tony Martin because he was wearing his ITT skin suit and riding his ITT bike. Oh, yes, which had his individual time trial champions stripes. And they they fined him for for, for having those things on it, which is ridiculous because I don't think you should have have to have a separate bike for a TTT. Hang on, did you just say that uh, a rule and the enforcement of a rule at a race was ridiculous? Yeah. That is so <laughs> weird. That never happens, ever. I, I know. I mean, who'd have thought the UCI might not make any sense? Well, especially in men's cycling, because it's, it's a free-for-all it's over there. They can do whatever they want. But so. I don't quite... I don't get... I just don't get what... You know, I don't get what the... Anyway, I guess if I was going to have the World Championship, TTT, TT, World Championship, I T. think I'd have it at a different time of year. Really? When would you have it? I don't know, some other time of year. I'd have it in the Spring Classics. I'd have everything in the Spring Classics if I could, though. No, 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 you wouldn't. Yes, I would. I would put every race in the pissing rain in Belgium on cobbles all the time. But would you not want to I would move the Giro Rosa to Belgium cobbles if I could. No, you wouldn't get mountains. I would have cobbles. Cobbles are better than mountains. I, and, and we were doing so well in podcast couple counselling. <laughs> well, yeah, mostly because I wasn't going. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was just going to the pub with my mates. <laughs> you were talking you to your counsellor you... and I was drinking my counsellor. It was great. You told, <laughs> you told me you had to work late. Well, you know, it was a big beer. It took a lot of work to lift it. <laughs> And you stayed out late with the boys. <laughs> well, they weren't going to be able to drink themselves home. So <laughs> <laughs> I was the team designated drinker. Well, I'm, I, I think that we may, I think we may have hit a stumbling block in our um, podcast reconciliation. I walk perfectly straight when I've been drinking. Thank you very much. I do not weave or stumble. Oh, you, you didn't mean it like that. Okay, cool. So, what else did you like about the team time trial, Dan? Because I know there were things that you liked. <laughs> well, look, um, I, I loved a lot of the the uh, after um, stuff. There's some great uh, photos that were around on social media. Uh, I first encountered most of them on your Tumblr, which you may want to tell everyone about. Oh, I don't even know what it's called. It's like women's something something Tumblr. Tumblr Hang on, thing. let's have a look. Let's have a look and see. What is my Tumblr called? God, I'm so useless. I'm Are like you the most kidding? Useless. I thought you were joking. Shit. <laughs> it's <laughs> just womencycling.tumblr.com, isn't it? Yeah, yes, yes, it is. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> we're so pro. <laughs> anyway. Um, in particular, I really like the shot of um, the Orica team, mostly because... Um, if you look at the right-hand side of the photo, you'll notice that uh, that one Melissa is um, pulling a, a weird face. And as you yeah, noted, okay. as you noted, the uh, the oh, time trial. Oh, not my notes. No, you, not my notes. as in you just noted the the time trial is an out and back involved a lot of wind. So, <laughs> so the the comment on the photo is that Melissa proves the old wives' tale is true. The wind changed, and now she's stuck with her TT face. So, 
But I also like that for personal reasons because that's actually remarkably similar to the face I pull up my nieces. So, you know. Yes. Um, there are loads of photos. I like the photo of Evelyn Stevens being kissed by a piggy bank on the <laughs> <laughs> And I know, I know at least three guys who wish now that they were a piggy bank. So, you know. <laughs> No, there, there are some really lovely. I mean, I, there is a, there are some great. One of the things I really like about this race is there's they there's we I've, I've, I've rhapsodized about them before, but they have really good social media, mm. and there's this website vagorda.nu, which has. Um, now, is that it, the it, local TV station or? I have no idea what it is because it basically seems to shut down in between the 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 races. open the borders. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But but what they did was they were having so there was a there was a combination of how to follow it. You had the all the usual Twitter stars and oh lovely 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 Velo Focus was there and he was taking pictures and tweeting updates and Tina Levin who's a Levine who's a Swedish cyclist she's had a bad year because she's had been getting over lots of um, injuries and stuff but she um, you know so but she she was there too. Um, doing lots and lots of tweets and photos and stuff. There's this amazing Swedish photographer called Krista Hedberg who has um, lovely photos, lovely set of photos every year. It's one of my favourite things about the races is Krista's photos. And then you have a ticker on cyclesport.se, the Swedish, you know, Swedish mm. cycling cycling site. And then they were putting up live, not they were put, they were uploading live photos onto vagorda.nu as the race was going on. So even though you didn't have TV coverage of the TTT, you had lots and lots and lots of stuff. And mm. that mm. just, it was adorable and lovely. And I can't remember what my first point is, but I did start talking about it for some reason and now I've lost the thought. <laughs> that there was lots of uh, stuff on social media and a great social media presence yeah, was, yeah. was where and, you began. Yeah, uh, and, then on su- and then on Sunday... Vagorda.nu had a um, well, they had a ra- and they had a live radio broadcast on the on the Friday for the TTT. I mean, I say radio, but I don't know if it is actually. I think it might be an actual radio station. I've got no idea. My Swedish is only good for. Hang on, I thought you were completely fluent in Swedish. If you're gonna, I'm, I'm, are you I'm, turning I'm, around and saying that you're you're Swedish? You're completely fluent in Swedish when they're pronouncing anglicized versions of riders' names. No, is no, that the I'm extent saying, of your I'm saying, Swedish? I'm saying I'm completely fluent in oral and verbal Swedish, <laughs> but I'm not very good at written Swedish. Ah. <laughs> uh, nice. So yes. Yeah, so, so on the Sunday, so there was the ticker, there was Twitter, and there was the live coverage and. I don't know. Have you have you watched any of it yet? Because I have put the whole thing on our site, uh, prowomenscycling.com, um, because it had a finish. It had a fixed finish line camera, and halfway through the race, they had a camera on the hill, and in between times, they had a they had a graphic which had a G, you know GPS of the front rider and the chasing group and the broom wagon which was adorable it had this adorable <laughs> little broom logo oh no sweeping along behind them so yeah. what, what you're saying is that on a shoestring budget they provided better coverage than for example one of the greatest known one day classics in the cycling calendar who <laughs> had cameras mounted at the finish line i'm I looking at you motherfucking flesh volant 
Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> it was, and it was, and because it's so, because it's a lap race, it's twelve laps of this eleven-kilometer circuit. It meant that the, you actually got to see quite a lot. You know, you actually got to see quite a lot of it. And then because you could know what to look for, oh, it was just so good, so good. And and the commentator, he's apparently a famous Swedish commentator, but Swedish goes from this so gentle and musical and you know very relaxing and calm and you know very lyrical sounding language to suddenly getting really really incredibly excited like you know really like it's just it's lovely it was really really nice so you could suddenly like, were you, you, you could up, hear the viking yeah i was gonna say were you picking up subtle notes of viking war cry or I, well when when emma johansson attacked on the final lap mm-hmm. there was there were subtle notes of viking war cries yeah emma! <laughs> and but possibly possibly the sound of an axe being thrown which was weird but you know mm. yeah, it's i mean it's funny I, I i get like this with cyclocross and and you know i mean all joking aside it is interesting how much you can pick up of race of any language you know once you get your ear in it's a race so you know kind of what sort of thing's going to happen they're talking about the names and you can hear the different tones of voices and stuff so it is quite interesting how how you can understand how well i think it's interesting how you can understand things in other languages mm-hmm. and you know and actually it can be more fun watching races in languages you don't understand than if they were in bad english commentary yeah well i mean i do have to confess that i would generally take a, a, a language that i am not fluent in over many of the available english language commentators mm-hmm. so yeah mm. Yes, but um, anyway, um, you know, leaving aside the the wonderful intricacies and beauty inherent within the the Swedish language um, and their ability to use social media, what actually happened in the motherfucking race? Oh, I think this was the best Open the Sweat Recorder I've followed. It's it was just really even better yeah. than the one last year where you and I, you know, followed it together on Skype singing Kumbaya to each other. You know what? The only thing that would have made the race better would have been following it with you. Oh, that's such that a sweet lie. Such a sweet lie. Mm. I was at the councillors. <laughs> Pub. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, the sad, the, tra- the tragic thing is, dear listener, Daniel was probably asleep in his bed, making sure he wasn't going to be too tired of his Monday morning at work. Yeah, it's true. Uh, dear Europe, please put your raters on on Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> Love so, Dan. Um, so, I mean, so it's, it's so as I say, it's a lap race and it's got a hill in the middle of it. But it does tend to come down to a bunch of sprints um, or a breakaway. But this year, it was really, really. I mean, I've always think it's always exciting and it's always good. But this year was just even better than normal. It was just fantastic, and there was that moment. So you know, it starts off, and they pretty much attacking from the first from the gun. No way! Horrible That's so, race. So atypical for women, though, to be attacking. I think they they actually dropped their first riders before they got to the first hill. <laughs> I I saw somewhere someone said. I I mean, it may have just been a joke, but I'm sure I saw someone say that they dropped the first riders before they got out of the neutral zone. Oh so. no 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 no! They were that 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 was that's on loop noiseblad. Where oh, the first. No. Where the first crash was in the neutral zone, <laughs> and yeah, no, um, so they dropped. So, so yeah, so it started off, and there was this very interesting moment because there was a group of there was a group of four riders out in front, and I think it was Luce Honowike, Roxana Roxana Nateman, um, Rosella Ratto, and 
another rider, uh, Danny King. And gradually, there was this very interesting moment where, so first of all, it starts as a breakaway, and then it became 11 riders, and um, with, with Evelyn, with, with, with Evelyn Stevens, no, yeah, then it kind of became 11 riders, and then Evie Stevens bridged across. And you're like, okay, that suddenly goes from being a, let's have a, because, you know, before yeah. it was like a set of riders out front, who apart from Rossella Ratto, were, you know, riding for their team, all got big teammates behind them, all got big, big ambitions for their team. This is like one of those speculative breaks where you're out there to stop anyone else attacking. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. And then every bridge is over and suddenly it's like, ah, fuck, we're going to have to pull that back. Yeah, and then every bridged over. And then Emma Johansson and Mariana Voss bridged over. Mm-hmm. And suddenly... And suddenly that's not a breakaway, that's the race. <laughs> yeah, suddenly that's a, a new peloton has formed further up the road and a breakaway is about to be formed from that peloton. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that was, and it's really interesting because the ticker started referring to them as the peloton. Mm. And it's like, yeah, it's true. It may be that, the, you know, there's lots of riders behind them. And it kind of was, it was very, it was very interesting. So it's attacky, 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 attacky. And it comes down, um, I think maybe they, then, then once Voss and Johansson had gone, gone over, and maybe they started with 27 or 30 at the front, and everyone else who missed it is like doomed. And then they just start burning people off. And it kind of comes down to the penultimate lap. You had 10, um, 11, 10 or 11 riders. And I'm going to see if I can do this. You had Voss and Johansson and Ellen van Dyke, who were the first three in the World Cup series at the moment. Uh, Van Dyke's teammate, uh, Van Dyke's teammate Evelyn Stevens, who's you know super strong, super mm. super super strong. Uh, Voss's teammate Roxana Knaterman, Rosella Ratto, who's like you know the best young, you know top young talent, up and coming talent, Anna van der Breggen, um, Georgia Bronzini, superb sprint star, and um, Amy Peters, who's young Dutch uh, Skilagos, and one other rider. I'm sorry, other rider. I can't remember who you were, but I'm sure you're brilliant. And there's this there's this interesting thing because they're right. They say you've got your eleven riders up front, and you've got a lot of attacking has been going on from Voss and Johansson. They've been kind of really shoving up the pace and making it hard for yep. every, you know, making it hard for everyone. And there was this great tweet by Carl Lima as they went into the penultimate lap saying, yeah, everyone's looking at each other. They're all especially looking at Georgia Bronzini. <laughs> well, you know, she did win, like, basically every every remotely sprinty stage of, of the um, the route to France, didn't she? So Yeah, and, and, and I don't think she... And this is her first time in Vigorda. And she's a very, very, very fast sprinter. And I'm not entirely sure she'd done that much work on the front. <laughs> well, so like, well, to be honest, when, you know, when Evie and Mariana are just, you know, basically taking giant bear swipes at each other just to see if, if anyone's going to, you know, bleed yeah, yeah, yeah. out before we get to the, the final sprint, you know, what more work is there that needs to be done, really? Yeah, yeah. And and because you could see the and because you could see so you had this combination of of how you could follow it, and so Carl tweets this and we're like on because we, we were talking about it on Podium Cafe and the live thread and on Twitter and like yeah, um, bets on that you know basically burn that's that's Bronzini going to be burnt off on the next hill on the next <laughs> hill boss just charged up this hill and super fast really really super strong amazing and she just she just powered powered up it. 
and there's Amy Peters and Emma Johansson were like, shit, ah, on the <laughs> And they just dropped, and Bronzini, that was Bronzini and um, Bronzini and Ratto and Kanateman out of the race. And Roxana Kanateman had done so much work. I think she's, she was in the early break. She was attacking, she, had, she did some attacking off the front of the, you know, with the group when it became bigger. She was such a good teammate for Boss. Really mm. just, just, you know, the, the epitome of a really good domestique. Yeah, yeah. So then you are. So then we had. So then it kind of went round, and you had six riders left, and the six riders: Voss, Johansson, Peters, Stevens, and Van Dyke, and Anna van der Breggen. Yeah, but on the final, somewhere on that lap, Voss got started to get started a slow puncture. Oh really? Oh yeah, shit! And, and because and because they didn't because they couldn't get the car to you know the car wasn't. Because there were so many riders on the road, yeah. groups of riders on the road, it took the Rabo car quite a long time to get to her. Uh-huh. Yep. So she was just like riding and riding and riding, and her, her tire got flatter and flatter. And then just at the, and, and that was interesting because it suddenly went on the it went on the ticker puncture for Boss. We're like holy shit! And then the the Swedes the the, the commentary got very excited. Puncture for Boss. There's a neutral <laughs> service car. No neutral service car. Fuck. Rabo had known it was coming and did one of those superb bike changes. You know. Yep. <laughs> Yep. And off she was. But what was very interesting was that the other five had chosen not to attack her. Yeah. Because they knew she was in trouble mm-hmm. and they didn't attack her. Yeah. And, and it's, it's this is what... good etiquette, you know. It's it's one of those great things about, it. you know, it would be ridiculously easy to take advantage of that and not even do a hard-blown attack, but just lift the pace and just let her be burned off because she's going to have to work harder with the flat tyre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. you know, that's while potentially understandable. It's you know that would be a particularly ruthless, cutthroat kind of thing to do. And it's you know, it's not, it's not, in my opinion, anyway. It's not the the spirit of the purest form of competition. So no, no. Yeah. And, and I was saying it's bad tactics, but it's good etiquette. Mm. But it's also you know that someone like Evie or Ellen or Emma Johansson, they don't want to win. Because Voss had punctured. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the only thing that I imagine that could piss me off more were I riding against Voss. And yes, I'm aware how laughable that is. Um, (laughs) Thank you, Sarah, for not laughing too hard at that. Um, But, you know, if I were in that situation and and we're approaching the, the finale and Voss has got a puncture, and the only thing that would piss me off more than losing to her would be winning and having people go, yeah, it's because you attacked while she had a puncture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and I I always remember um, Emma Pooley a couple of years ago when she won the um, Trofeo Alfredo Binder. Was someone asked her about oh blah 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 you know um, how are you coping with the biggest talent in the world Mariana Voss and she's like yeah it's so much easier to beat Voss when she's not racing. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah. it's, and you know I was thinking about well. You know, out of that front group, they, they, they all respect, you know, they respect her so much. Mm. This is a woman who's been, at this point in the race, Voss had been doing all sorts to animate the race. She'd been working yeah. really, really hard. Yeah. You know, she'd been, she'd been involved in attacks, a lot of attacks. So I think, you know, she'd been really hitting it. And they respect her. And but it's also, you know, it goes both ways. She respects them too. You know, like, she's the last person you would see initiating an attack if, if you know, for example, this had happened to Ebby or... Or yeah. one of the the other riders, you know, like or, or yeah. Emma or whoever, and also, you know, when when she is beaten by them too, she's incredibly gracious. She never, 
you know, she always congratulates someone for who beats her and never makes excuses for. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are some. There are yeah. some. There are some. I have this. The, Carl Lima has a particular joke about riders and teams who, when they lose, it's always because of illness, injury, mechanicals. But when they win, it's always because they were the best riders. Yep. Yep. You know, other teams never get illness in illness, mechanicals and injuries. Only them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, you oh, know. Um, but yeah, so, and, and, you know, and we saw it in the Dutch National Championships. They, when when um, Lucinda Brown was out solo and Ellen was racing with Evie and Mariana. And basically, every time they hit the, got to the hill, Evie... Um, Anamique, um, sorry, Evie and Mariana, I mean, Anamique van Vleuten and Mariana. Every time they got to the hill, Anamique and Mariana would kill it up the hill. But, you know, and, and Ellen would make it back on the flat. But then they got to, like, one of this, the last, I think it was the last hill, and Ellen punctured. And because she didn't have a service car, and you could see them, like, just soft pedaling up the hill and looking back and checking and looking back and checking. And it was only when they got to the point when they realised that Ellen wouldn't be back in the race that they just hammered it. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the respect. And it's, mm, mm. yeah, I mean, as you say, it's like you just not for your own, for your own satisfaction, but also for not having everyone just pointing and laughing. But yeah, it's that cycling, isn't it? It's cycling. Well, and, and also, you know, for not having the, the long memory of the peloton coming back to bite you next time you have a bit of a misfortune either, you know? Well, I mean, yes, exactly. There, there's certainly that element to it as well. But yeah, I I prefer to highlight the uh, the purer and uh, and noble reasons yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so, so, so Voss got back to them and they got back to the hill. And on the hill, apparently... Um, Evie started the first attack. Emma countered, and this is where the Vikings went crazy. Emma countered super fast. Only Voss and Amy Peters could keep up with her. Um, Evie dropped. Mm. Like, like you know, it had obviously been her last. And she'd been working all the way through for Ellen Van Dyke because, you know, Ellen's, Ellen was sitting third or fourth in the World, Champ- in the world Cup standings. You know, yep, it's a yep. serious thing. So you've had the front three working together. Ellen and, Anna, Ellen and Anna van der Breggen are chasing really hard together, and Evie's, Evie's dropped. Yeah. Um, and then Ellen just powers up her TTT powers, you know, uses her super, super, super strength, and actually catches the front, front three in the final one and a half kilometer. Wow. And she doesn't just catch them, she catches them and then just attacks straight through them. <laughs> Oh, that's got to be one of the most frightening things to, you know, like at that one and a half sort of K mark, like you sort of, you're nearly home. You're just like, yeah, nearly there, nearly there. What the fuck was that? <laughs> right! God damn it. And they kind of, and then they came in and it's it was apparently Voss' super tactic. So she made sure she hit the final corner first. And I've said this about Voss before, mm. but Voss, she can enter a corner with other riders and come out two or three bike lengths ahead. Yep, yep. And we've got the illustration to prove it. Thank you, Caroline. We do have the illustration to prove it. Thank you, Saw Panda. And yeah, so Voss won with time to have her arms in the air, jersey up. Uh, Emma in second, nearly picked to the post by um, Amy Peters. This is Peters' second World Cup podium this year because she was third in the Tour of Chongming Island World Cup. Oh, and, yeah. Ellen, and Ellen in fourth, kind of just like looking completely, oh my God. <laughs> I'm doomed, doomed, oh, no. damn it. 
No. So yeah, so that was that was just yeah. it was lovely, 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 lovely racing. Um, yeah, really good, fun, mm. exciting. You well, know, it, I mean, it's good to hear you tell it because you know I have to say, based on the the photos and interviews after the race, I was surprised at how disappointed Mariana seemed to be that she won. I just I expected oh more God. enthusiasm from her. That's all. Did you see the Voss the Viking video? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just Voss. I mean, as people were saying after the race, um, Bello Focus Sean, who was there, was saying that Voss after the race looked like she was a junior who'd won her first ever race. Mm, she mm. was just super excited, and Voss has been having back pain and a pinch a nerve. And a, she had a pinched nerve, so she's not been having a very good time recently. But she just looked. She, she's glowing, and she has these stars in her eyes when she's talking on the video yeah. about it, and yeah. she's just, she's just so happy. And and part of that is because she won the race, and part of it is because she'd sewn up the World Cup series already with one race yeah, to go. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's one of those weird things where I know we say this basically every time she wins a race that she looks so happy to win, but like, she really like this time. It was, like, even by Voss standards, she was really, really happy. Yeah, yeah. and I think, I mean, like, it's hard because, you know, I don't, I don't speak, don't follow Dutch, and Google Translate does some very strange things to Dutch. So it's kind of hard to know how bad her back problem's been, but I hadn't realised it was quite that bad mm. until she, like, and, and she's actually just, she's just pulled out of the Holland Ladies Tour, the Bowles Ladies Tour, in September, which is a race that she really, really loves and enjoys, but she's pulled out of that to focus on the worlds, and yeah, um, it, you know, good, good on her. Good on her making making smart decisions. It's a shame for the race and a shame yeah. for fans, but you know, good on her. And I, it, it's so interesting because people who don't follow women's cycling, but oh yeah, it's really boring because Voss wins all the time. But that race absolutely wasn't. It mm. wasn't a given at all. And yeah. and and she yeah. rode it. You know, she rode it so cleverly. You know, she deliberately burnt off Bronzini. Mm, mm. And she, you know, she deliberately kind of attacked like crazy to kind of to whittle down to whittle down her competition. And she said she was really worried about Emma Johansson's sprint. So she'd, you know, she'd kind of gone into those final corners. She, of, yeah. it's, it's not. It doesn't. It's not a simple thing. It's yeah. not as no, simple she's, as she plans her positioning and stuff really well. And it's why a circuit race like that can actually. Um, you know, really benefit because there's plenty of time to work out those sorts of little details. But yeah, also, yeah. you know, like I really don't have time for people who who are like, ah, oh, it's boring. Boss always wins or whatever. I mean, to me, that really just shows a lack of imagination and a lack of comprehension as to how races are won. You know, yeah. anyone who thinks that there's a guaranteed outcome in cycling just doesn't get cycling. Yeah. It, it's really that simple. And seeing how a race is one and how it plays out and who uses what tactics and who has, uh, you know, that, that terrible stroke of bad luck and who has, mm. you know, what might be a catastrophic uh, stroke of bad luck, but turns out to, to not be because they managed to come back and are heroic and awesome and stuff like that. You know, it, it's what makes the sport great is because there's all these different things in, involved yeah. that can, can change the outcome. Um, yeah. You know, and, 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 and then every now and then you get the opportunity to see something like, um, you know, when Voss hit that great in the Giro and, you know, just magically didn't die, which was, <laughs> was quite a feat. That was awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, hurrah, hurrah for that. Hurrah for Roxana Knetemann. Um, 
and there were some interesting things afterwards actually on Paulina Fran Prevost's um, uh, Facebook afterwards she was saying yeah because she'd been out in early attacks and early breaks and stuff like that too but she said she was riding she was racing it got to a, it got to a point where she was just behind well she said the winner of the Route de France that's Linda Willemson she was on the, Linda Willemson's wheel and she said Willemson as this attack went clearly didn't give a damn about the race didn't want to win so because she just didn't chase well this is this is Fran Prevost's take on it so you know mm. um didn't, so she didn't chase and that meant that like and because she let the gap go that meant that Paulina was 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 yeah was, she, you know, she lost like, it yeah. yeah yeah and she tried to chase to to, to to join the bridge but it just she just hadn't been mm. it just hadn't mm. enabled her to do that and the other thing that was interesting was there was a tweet from Annemiek van Vleuten who said that in the chase, mm. someone basically pushed her off her bike because she hadn't, um, someone crashed me because I wasn't working. <laughs> it's like, of course you weren't working. You had riders up the road. Wow. Wow. Okay. And Awkward. I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand, you know, this, I, it, it happens in men's cycling too, but you know, this idea that a rider should be chasing down her own teammates, holy shit, seriously, of course she's not going to be working, if anything, if she's going to take her turn on the front, she's going to be doing it slowly. <laughs> exactly, exactly, like, that's, I mean, a- to be perfectly honest, if, um, if, if you've got a, a shit hot rider up the front, I'm not trusting you to take a pull, like... <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's, like you've got to be pretty naive to believe that sort of fiction, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. I'll pedal really hard to chase down Mariana. Yeah. No, no, that's <laughs> it's not how it works at all. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be sitting on the front eating an ice cream. You know, just going, huh? What? Hey, have any of you guys got a beer? Like, you know, yeah. So. So we'll put links. We'll put links on. I mean, all the videos are up on our site. We'll put links to the photos and stuff like that because it was a really good race. And you know, next year, um, even if you have to be tired the next day at work or maybe take the next day at work off, it is well worth watching that race. I wish I lived in a country that gave me enough holidays to be able to take every day after a race off. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'd have to move to Germany to get that many holidays. Um, So what else? I know what else you like this week. Oh, okay, cool. Tell me all about it then. I think you liked the blogging and press releasing from your man crush. Oh, Steph. Oh, Steph. Um, yeah, I, I did actually for for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, for those who haven't caught up on it, um, Steph has been... You want to tell people who Steph is if they don't listen every week to you rhapsodising about Stefano? How can people not know who Steph is? Steph is like the the greatest guy in the world. He's, you know, awesome. Uh, he's the the DS and manager of Matrix Fitness Racing Academy, which is um, our favorite. Uh, I don't know. There's not an official classification, but can we say semi-pro? Do you think that's fair, Sarah? I think or domestic level. Domestic level, but but they are semi-pro in that. You know, like they're they're not they're not a large enough team with a big enough budget to to fully fund like a what we would classify a top pro team. But no, no, you know, no. I, the, I think they're they're basically a top domestic level team. Like yeah, you know, like say yeah. in you know, like like in America's you know your your Optum mm. Kelly and your yeah. Uh, but they're a UK based team. 
yeah. And they've, you know, Steph's got a great pedigree too of, um, you know, one of the things that he does that I really love is identifies young talent, nurtures it through, and basically graduates it. Like, it's not an accident that they're called Matrix Fitness Racing Academy because, you, you know, it really is an academy. Um, you know, they've they've got some incredible alumni um, who, you know... Um, have represented uh, Great Britain at the Olympic Games and uh, riding. You're talking about Danny King and Joanna Rousel, aren't you? I am. I am indeed. And um, yes. and they're you know uh, riding you know top professional continental Europe races now. Um, you know, so Steph's someone who's been around uh, women's cycling for a long time, and his lovely wife Helen, who we're also big fans of, and um, it is coming to her time of the year cross season. Um, and who we interviewed last year about cross. Anyway, um, Dan's, that's Dan's very long introduction. Oh, yeah. Steph- well, see, this is why I was skipping it. And then you were like, do the introduction. I'm like, well, Steph's awesome. And then it's a really long list of why Steph's awesome. So, so Steph you get has- what you ask for, Sarah. <laughs> you get what you ask for. So Steph this week, he first of all put out a, a series of tweets, which he turned into a blog, You Can Be Our Legacy, which was talking about exactly why Supporting women's cycling, it's UK based, but why supporting women's cycling is a really, now is a really good time for it. And, you know, and, and actually when he was, I've been thinking about this because I've probably seen on British TV more British racers than, than, than I've been able to see, you know, top European ones. Mm, mm. I mean, and, and they're not live. They're not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not necessarily shown live. It might be like, you know, 15 minutes of the race plus a, plus a 10 minute intro on ITV4, you know, on ITV4 the next day. But I've seen cycling on ITV4. The Nocturne was on Channel 4. The London Prudential GP was shown on BBC. You know, it's, it's yeah. a really interesting time. And as Steph says, next year we've got the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow and we've got the first edition of the Women's Tour of Britain. So now is an amazing time to be supporting women's cycling uh you know with laura trot becoming pretty much a household name in in, in the uk yeah it's, it's so his first but so his first blog you can be our legacy was basically about all the opportunities there are in supporting teams mm. and why yeah. companies should get involved and and related to that is that um you know and and this leads into the second thing is that um the the potential benefits to sponsors or partners or whatever are quite significant but what a lot of people don't realize is that the entry level um at which uh, a sponsor can buy into particularly a women's cycling team is really quite low like genuinely yeah. uh, incredibly so- affordable and i mean i think people who have been listening for a while will remember uh, we were talking months ago when Cycling News released their inquiry into uh, men's cycling and the the return on sponsorship then and how it was very revealing at how much value comes back to sponsors even in men's pro cycling. Well, women's cycling, you know, the, the value proposition's even greater because the entry level is so accessible. Yeah. Mm. And and so so Stefan said that he was talking with one of his sponsors, Nick Hussey, who runs Volpine Cove. Mm. Who I'm also in love with because their merino products are exquisite and um awesome. If only someone had told you about merino wool before this time. I know. I wish a dear friend of mine from Australia who rides bikes a lot um had ever bothered to mention merino to me. 
because so. all that time I really feel for her because I can just imagine her sitting there having told you about Marino and all that time you're going yeah but I don't really sound like the sound of it nah nah it's not for me Sorry. and then you're like Marino, it's the best thing in the world. I'm the first person to have discovered it. It's wonderful. Don't feel sorry for her. Feel sorry for her boyfriend who now has to listen to her rage and foam at the mouth um, at my continued stubborn insistence that she never mention Marino to me, ever. <laughs> Hi, Ian. <laughs> so, anyway, Nick Hussey... Um, so Nick had this idea. So Nick said, "Well, let's put out a press release about it." Mm, mm. So Nick. Well, Nick sorry. Sec- related to that is that Volpine are uh, currently a sponsor, but they are already keen to increase their sponsorship and, and um, you know, grow their relationship with Matrix and Stefan uh, coming into 2014. So, you know, just just to add that, you know, Nick really believes in the value of this and, and is literally putting his money where his mouth is. So Yeah. Mm. But he was so so they put out a they put out a blog and this is in British pounds, yeah. But they're saying that two hundred and fifty grand is basically the total budget needed to set up and maintain a high level professional team which will be um which will be, you know, with 12 riders, access to the best women's races on the calendar, such as the Giro Rosa, Tour of Flanders, Flesh Wallon, uh media stuff. Mm. For a thousand, for a hundred grand, and so two hundred and fifty grand. I think that's like that's about that's about two hundred and ninety euro, two hundred ninety grand euros. It's yep. about I think it's about three hundred and fifty grand dollars. I do think I do think it's Aussie dollars. I do think it's important to note um, that it doesn't quite get a huge Death Star style team bus. Um, no, no, that's, I mean, that's actually that's actually a point on the list, I'm, and well, I really appreciated of, that point too. <laughs> one of the things, one of the things that was, I think, one of the things because Steph's the, Steph releasing these figures did cause some outcry with people saying these figures must be wrong, and one of the sets of people saying these figures must be wrong is because you know Stefan's talking about you know giving all riders a minimum wage. It's not saying giving all riders the UK level minimum wage for a full-time job with all the taxes and stuff like that on top of it. But, mm. you know, there's, a, there's an interesting thing about that because obviously 250 grand isn't what Rabobank, Specialized, Orica and Wiggle are on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, Stefan was saying, well, I reckon Rabobank are probably 700 to a million. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. 250 grand is, 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 is definitely, it's definitely figures, you know, 300. And, and it's, also worth, it's also worth pointing out that those uh, teams have slightly larger rosters and um, have bigger riders riding for them who command, you know, greater salaries anyway, you know. So, and and it also doesn't invalidate any of those figures just because it costs more to run uh, a team like Rabo doesn't mean Steph can't run a great team for 250 grand, you know. I think what what was very interesting about the people who are saying those figures are wrong were not recognising the reality of women's cycling, where, for example, high tech, their DS Davy has a full time job. Mm, yeah, that's not being a DS. Yeah, and you know, and most teams they don't have most teams don't have a full time soigneur. No, they're, they're paying know, by the day for someone to. Yeah, to, they're paying by the day. Mm. It's often someone that they know. Yep. who's who's not 
taking their full day rate. I think um, high tech said they, they they hire a full time mechanic because that's you know that's a different thing. That's that's a kind of that's a kind of different thing. Yeah. But you know, lots and lots of teams don't pay their riders. Yeah. You know, I've heard of two teams this year, and every year it's the same. There's always at least a couple of teams who aren't who contracted to pay their riders and aren't paying their riders. Yeah, they fail but, to yeah. meet those obligations. Yeah. And so two hundred and fifty yeah. grand. It sounds phenomenally low. You know, three hundred yep. grand euros. It sounds phenomenally low. But that is what it is. Yeah. And the other and, and thing the, the is, amazing thing to me is that people are going, that's too low, therefore you shouldn't do it. And I'm like, are you insane? Yeah. That's ridiculously low. Let's make it happen is kind of the yeah, appropriate yeah, yeah. response, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, 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 Stefan was, and Stefan was saying that he was... Um, so I interviewed him for Podium Cafe, which I'm going to put up on the site later today. But... I was talking to him about this and I was saying, well, the other interesting thing is he's not saying 250 grand is what he wants it to be forever. Yeah. He's saying that's the start. That's the starting point for 20 for 2014. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's the point at which, you know, what he's saying is that we can at that level, we can do two top tier uh, co-name sponsors and uh, we'll be at all these races, UK races that have varying levels of coverage. We'll make sure we're at top European races. You know what he's what he's laying out is actually a really great value proposition. It's a high level. You know, go to a big company and say, "Hey, guess what? Adidas with your forty-two million pound annual marketing budget <laughs> for two hundred and fifty grand, you could have a team." You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, actually, they're like, holy shit, we couldn't make a YouTube campaign for two hundred and fifty grand. Wow, maybe yeah. we should get a team. And actually, and actually, if someone came to them and said five hundred grand, mm. even better. It's yeah. So I mean, but the good thing, and Stefan was saying that he actually really welcomes the debate about it. And yep. if anyone's saying, look, you're wrong, and here's an alternative set of figures, he'd love that. Mm. And if mm. anyone's saying you're wrong and this is why, he actually really enjoys that. So if you have, so I'm writing this article on Podium Cafe, and Steph said. If anyone has any questions, he'll answer it in the comments. Yep. And um, he's also on Twitter as as df ds underscore Steph. And also, you know, you can reach them through on the drops cc the the, the Matrix Fitness uh, Racing Academy website. And he was very interesting because I was saying in my interview when I was interviewing him that I was really impressed at how much TV he was. And he said, well, part of that is down to how John Johnson, who's the boss of Johnson's um, Johnson's Health Tech, which is the company that you know that, that sponsors Matrix and also sponsors the Johnson's Health Tech GP series. John and Steph, they, they said we sat down four years ago. We worked out what we wanted, and he put you know he actively put money into the you know the the, the women's tour series is yep. the, the women's races are the Johnson's Fitness GP, Johnson's Health Tech GP, and he put money into the TV coverage and Sweet Spots, who are the racing organizer completely ran with it and you know especially mm. guy elliott um who's who's one of the leading like pushers behind the women's um tour of britain and they actively went after this and i yeah i love it yeah, i love it yeah. i love it i love it i love it and i think it's so it's like it's a shame of people it's a shame i mean it's so it's so social media isn't it that some people will just get fixated on the you're wrong <laughs> and miss the uh, point completely yeah yeah but uh, i mean you know on on that note uh, i i just go back to especially and i think it was really really um great that steph and nick sort of worked on this together and put it out and so we got both sides of the story where steph was like actually it's a lot more affordable than you probably realize and nick was yeah. like 
it's crazy value. Um, You know, his quote towards the end is probably my favorite where he goes, these numbers are exceptional value for their return. I didn't sponsor this team for a direct benefit simply because I don't make racing clothing. My motivation was simply that I get to see my logo on a top team jersey, which is exciting in itself. But the really interesting thing to me is that, you know, I don't buy racing clothing you know, I mean, I've got a bunch of kit and stuff to, to ride in, but I'm not racing. Like, I I don't race. And one of the reasons that I love Volpine so much is that they make stuff that I wear as everyday life, you know? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, their products actually meet me as a consumer, and I would not have given them the time of day. This isn't a criticism of them at all, but, you know, they're a UK company selling merino wool from Australia. So it's not like I can't find... <laughs> you know, other other potential options. But, you know, I chose to support them because of their relationship with, with Matrix. And, um, and you know, it, but that kind of thing is exactly why it's such a great return and such a, a good investment opportunity. And a marketer, a, a marketing department, particularly from a larger organisation who is smart enough to see this now, um, you know, the, the sport has been through some serious growth in terms of uh, recognition and and acceptance and and conversation around things like the Women's Tour de France and stuff like that in the last 12 months. And it's about to hit another one of those upswing years coming into the Commonwealth Games. Someone who, who gets in now at the ground floor and, and maintains, uh, you know, establishes and maintains a relationship for several years is going to get some incredible value for their brand yeah, yeah, yeah. out of it. I, I, I genuinely wish, I genuinely wish that the company I worked for was an international company. I'd be, I'd be screaming doors down at my office to, to get investment in this if I could. But this isn't, but the interesting thing is though, Dan, is that like, it's not just, it's not just, it doesn't just go for, you know, Stefan, he's a, runs a British team. He's talking about it from a British point of view, the Commonwealth Games, the Tour of Britain and stuff. Mm. But, for example, for Aussie team, you know, for, for if you look at Australian cycling, you know, you look at like how much we've got, how much we can see from it, like yep. The, yep. the the way that the way that it was featured on the um, the way that it was it's been featured on the the adorable Latour prologue, and you know, having the women's the women's version of Cycling Central, but also having a you know all the videos that Cycling Australia puts out. Exactly, and I'm sure your track stars are absolute superstars as well, and you know, and looking at. I was actually about to mention another one of um, another one of our friends. Um, you, you'll remember my nemesis, Kelvin and Tegan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> from from earlier in the year when they they went to uh, a whole bunch of races in Europe. Um, Kelvin is crazy cycle fan on Twitter, um, mm. and I was actually going to mention because I noticed um, that he his business has. Um, contributed I, I'm not sure at what level but sponsorship to a national road series team here and um, and it was just another one of those you know really cool things to see that you know at whatever level the the point is that there are there are opportunities and that they abound and that you know they really can be turned into something meaningful so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean and for for an Aussie team, you know, for an Aussie team, you've got the amazing, fantastic Australians, you know, your, your Australian summer series of races. Mm. And then if you end up supporting a rider who goes to commies, you know, Commonwealth Games and does well and mm. beats, the, beats, beats all the British, 
know, yeah, gee, same... that that would suck, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but the same thing happens in the US. You know, the same thing in the USA. Like you know, with yeah. nationals. You know, when I watched when I watched you know the, the Philly Classic um, live stream or nationals and all those superb races, like just you know the videos that came out of Nature, but you know the daily videos that came out of Nature Valley GP and you know, all those sea otter, all those fantastic races that we absolutely love. You know, they can if if you if you you know again. These figures aren't going. They might, might be a bit more expensive to get riders to races around the USA because it is a tiny bit bigger than the British Isles. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's the same thing. So, dear listener, if you're involved in a company, and if you are thinking, well, actually, maybe my company would be quite interested in a team either locally or nationally. If you want any help, get in touch with us at prowomenscycling mm. at gmail and we can find you either a local team or a team with a local rider or a local interest or something that you'd be yep. interested in because yep. you know this is so Steph's other figures so a hundred grand British pounds which I guess is about a uh, hundred and thirty grand euros uh, yeah uh, I can't remember I've, I'll put the the actual translated figures on my podium cafe interview so 100 grand would be a non-professional team and this is where he said the team manager can pay a minimum salary to riders it's not really we're not talking about a proper minimum wage it's a minimum salary yeah yeah that would be eight riders mid-level professional races at home and abroad including the women's tour of britain lots of advantages for sponsors too um 50 grand would get you co-title sponsorship of an amateur team that could race the Women's Tour of Britain, maybe, and you know, but definitely be racing the British races that are all on TV. And twenty-five grand, non-professional team with you know, and you'd have things like corporate days for the team, including rides from your company's headquarters, access to the team launch, all sorts of things like that. Mm. And just yeah, it's it's much cheaper than you think. And you know, and and sorry, that is the other thing that I actually just want to mention detail of because I, I think it really is important. Um, Steph's talking about doing this without necessarily being a, a top UCI registered team. Um, and for those who don't understand that, that significance, I mean, basically you can pay uh, a license fee and then you deposit a certain amount of money in a trust fund um, to guarantee against riders' wages. And yay, you're a UCI team, which is at the moment the only professional designation but it leads to situations like sarah was saying earlier where teams can default on payment to riders and riders are basically left in a limbo where they've got no representation and no one to to go to 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 seek redress against this sort of thing and it's part of why when we talk about you know introducing a minimum wage we always talk about there being a real need for a clear separation between basically pro and conti like there is for the men and, yeah. and so what Steph, part of what Steph's trying to do here and what I think is really interesting and really valuable is he's trying to demonstrate, which is something that I've argued for, for quite a while, that um, there's a real – whenever you mention a, a minimum wage in women's cycling, there's always someone who goes, ah, oh, but it'll kill the sport because teams won't survive and blah, 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 so you can't try because why make anything better if it makes something worse for the shittiest people in the world? Um and you may have picked up on my lack of sympathy for that argument. It's it's hard to say a lot's lost without the hand gestures. Um, but what, what Steph's trying to demonstrate is that actually, no, if you're committed to the principle and, and you understand that, okay, maybe it's not like the perfect minimum wage, it's still possible to set a minimum wage that, in his words, you know, 
allows the writers to focus on training and rest and nutrition as their primary job rather than mm-hmm. training around shifts in the coffee shop or um, you know whatever else it is that they have to do in order to get by and and allows them to to take that path it's also things like we've mentioned before how there are teams who are nominally pro who can't even pull together all the equipment that their riders need you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, and and it's what crazy that a rider can be on a air quote pro team and have to supply, you know, their own helmet and their own wheels and and yeah. stuff like that. You know, it, it's how can that be a pro team? And so part of what is- Steph's doing is trying to establish and demonstrate that this is what it looks like. Yeah. Mm, sorry, you, you, <laughs> you, you wanted to fit a word in, so I guess I'll stop. Yeah, but one, uh, one more thing I thought of because I'm the guy and I'm interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, this is. I mean, I was looking. You know, we're talking about this as well. I've, I've said I, I have a really big beer in my bonnet about this. Is when you look down the list of UCI pro teams, hmm. you you have on the one hand, um, Orica Specialized Rabobank. On the other hand, you have some really small teams, like some tiny, tiny, tiny teams who aren't who aren't paying their riders, who aren't you know, who are never going to get, because technically, one of the benefits of being a pro team is that you get access to the biggest races, mm. except you don't, because it's like, you know, it's like the pro teams, but the, you have to invite the top 15 or something of them. So, you know, bless their hearts, low in tech, or, you know, these tiny little tiny teams are just, there's no point. There's mm. no point mm. calling them pro. There's no point, you know, there's, the UCI status doesn't make a difference. If you don't know about cycling and you look down that list, yeah. there's no way of you seeing which is a, which is a genuine proper team and which is basically a club team with 20 grand to put in a bank yeah yeah exactly and you know and there's a whole host of other complications that go on around it but you know i think it is a great thing and and the the point that i've argued particularly around a minimum wage for a long time is that at the moment the conversation is generally bogged down in a should we shouldn't we and my answer has always been yes we fucking should let's make it a dollar a year and start from there because the conversation needs to change to how much and how do we do it yeah and and that's what steph's doing he's saying for this much i can do that that much and that's the cool thing that to me that's like really really cool so yeah yeah so um other things we like this week um dan says i'm not allowed to mention it because it was too long ago but it was like two whole weeks ago in Australia, hey Australia! In Australia, they had the first ever national cycle cyclocross championships this year. This uh, two weeks ago, which, to be fair, does answer the question I had during the cyclocross season at the at the start of the year, which was, do we even have cyclocross in Australia? You totally turns do. Out, have- turns out we do. Yeah. And you had this amazing dude who paid his own way, and he had a brilliant moustache, and I've forgotten his name, but he was lovely and brilliant. That and guy was a Kiwi. Him. No. He's a different one with a brilliant moustache. <laughs> I can't believe we're arguing about two guys whose names we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but the women's champion was Lisa Jacobs. And Lisa is, she's always been one of my favourite, one of my favourite riders because she, a couple of years ago, was coming over to um, the European races with the Australian national team, um, taking time out of her job as a high-powered lawyer. Is there any other kind? I mean, honestly. Yes. yes. And she has a blog called Ride Happy, which is very, uh, very funny. Hang on, indeed. hang on, hang on. I need to rewind. What does a low-powered lawyer look like? Oh, just 
whatever. Um, <laughs> she has this blog, which you should all read, which is called Ride Happy, which is excellent. And she tells the story. The reason I wanted to mention it this week is she told the story of how she won the race. And she's, as always, incredibly funny and witty and self-deprecating. And, and yeah, she always makes riding sound brilliant. The other two things I wanted to mention were two videos I saw this week, which were in Aussie initiatives to get more women cycling. And I believe I they're both in the Victoria region. I, I do have to just take a moment to acknowledge, like Australia's doing some really, really fucking cool stuff at the moment uh, at aimed at improving participation rates across a whole range of demographics. And Victoria has done an amazing job with um, their focus on women's participation. I mean, we highlighted that a couple of months ago when they released their report showing how much more women were joining clubs and stuff like that. Um, and I think and a, lot of credit, a lot of credit for that has to go to Monique Hanley. I think she's done a great job in her roles uh, in, in Cycling Victoria in particular. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they had that great um, uh, free for anyone, regardless of wherever you are in the world. Um, yeah, how to make your club friendly for women. <laughs> yeah, and it's not even just—it's not even just how to make it more friendly for women. It's how to make it more friendly for everyone. Yeah, but it's—it's—it's yeah. you know, it's, it's a good—it's a—it's a hook to hang it on. But the two things. So the first one is the Mastering the Road project from the Hawthorne Cycling Club in Melbourne, yeah. which was funded by um, which was funded by uh, Cycling Victoria, where they had and basically it's a series of workshops to help women basically get get good cycling skills yeah. and it was to, like specifically know, road cycling skills but yeah really good um you know learning all sorts of things from you know bunch etiquette to um you know riding close to to someone in front of you to get the benefit of the the protection from the wind and that that bit of drafting effect um you know all sorts of stuff it and and it's really cool not just that they're doing it not just that it's working but one thing that i loved about that video was how excited the the women that they interviewed were it yeah, was yeah, yeah yeah and then the other video was um another um the wheel women project which i think is also victorian i could be wrong which was uh, basically the project was it, it was talking about this woman who she'd gone up to her local club to say hey are there any women's rides i can do you know she, she'd she hadn't cycled since she was a kid and then she wanted, you know, thought about getting into, are there any women's races I could join or any, you know, anything at my level? And they basically went to her bike shop and they basically said, no, you'd have to start them yourself. So she did. And they talk about, <laughs> and they talk about basically their aim is to turn round the block cyclists into 50 kilometer cyclists. And, yeah. and that was lovely. That was another really sweet video. And I, I'm, yeah, it is. I'm sure it's Victoria because down uh, in Melbourne, they have an annual ride day uh, a mass participation ride day called around the bay in a day and the full it, the full length of it is basically like melbourne sits at the top end of a bay and you can um ride down to the the western point of the bay and then catch a ferry across and ride up the eastern side back to melbourne and it's a 200k round trip if you do the whole thing but they have a whole bunch of you know shorter rides for other people and one of the one of the objectives for wheel women is that they've signed up a group that they're taking on um one of those intermediate rides for around the bay which is awesome yeah mm. so those were lovely and i'm and what i particularly like about these is and this feels very australian is it's not enough just to do it it's sharing the learning and, and publicizing what they do and basically raising the bar. And I like that. I, you know, and I, again, I think that's very Monique Hanley as well in, 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 who's in the, the Cycling Victoria president. Um, yeah. Uh, um, I, I'm not sure if she's president, but she's on the board. 
Anyway, yeah. so, yeah. Anyway, um, She I'm might as well be president. Let's just say she's the president. She's the yeah. president let's of everything. Quick, let's do some quick fire final things. Okay. Um, if you like Pauline Ferrand Prevost, there was an interview with her and Marianne Roos in um, Paris Match, which was very nice, and they were very funny about Jeannie Longo. Um, yeah, and <laughs> you could tell the bitterness. Yeah, Jeannie Longo came fifth. I won. The news was still all about Jeannie Longo. <laughs> um, the other thing I liked, this week's episode of the British show, The Cycle Show, had Tracy Mosley, who's um, an amazing mountain bike rider, and she's now focusing on enduro, and she just, she's, you know, basically her and Ankaro Chasson of fighting for the Enduro Road Series, World Series at the moment. And yeah, so that's nice. If you, I'll put the link up to watch it on ITV Player if you missed it. Um, and yeah, um, I think that's it for me. Okay, cool. Well, the only other thing that I was, um, I, I guess, sort of starting to pay attention to, um, I don't know a great deal about it yet, but I've recently become aware of a national indigenous uh, cycling project here in Australia, which I think is really cool. And um, I'm going to find out a little bit more about it over the next week or so and hopefully have some more to talk about. But basically, it's a program to help young indigenous Australians um, learn it's it's focused on mountain biking but um how to ride bikes and and um you know turn cycling into a healthy lifestyle activity and that sort of thing uh which i think is really cool so i'm, I'm kind of keen to find out more about that and how that works yep and you also like gerard ruman's comments very quickly didn't you i do um i i feel quite strongly um that gerard could do with um, including more swearing in his comments. But apart from that, I think he was pretty on point. Um, he has a great blog that sort of basically sums up the sheer clusterfuckery of the UCI presidential non-race that it kind of is. I mean, it, it's just so... Man, I like I'm. We've got a federal election coming up here in Australia, and talk to any Australian, and we are probably the most disillusioned country with our politicians in the world. Like, there is no Australian who's excited about the election. We're all miserable, and the UCI election's even worse. Um, so Gerard's written a great post about basically exactly how and why it is so shit and, you know, what is so fucked about it all. One of my favorite bits though is at the end where he basically goes, you know, there are very few dissident groups who've been able to cut through, but one, <laughs> Latour Antia, has managed to get some, some conversation around women's cycling and, and then, you know, includes a plug for the, the petition. So, um, you know, it's quite cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, I like... I, die, I like I like his other comments. He said that, you know, uh, well, we don't know. We know very little of Cookson's plans, since his manifesto lacked in specifics. On top of this, he seems to have changed position on several important topics in recent months, on truth and reconciliation and women's racing, for example. This is okay. Changing your mind is a subtle way of showing you've gotten smarter. But we must hope that a clear direction emerges, otherwise it smacks of opportunism. And his last but not least, spare a thought for all the forms of cycling that are part of the UCA, but are not men's pro road racing. Mountain biking, BMX, cyclocross, marathons, artistic cycling, cycle ball, and other disciplines you may never have heard of. It's the UCI's mandate to promote and foster them, but 99% of the discussion ignores this. Yeah, and that's, you know, one of my great concerns is that, you know, everyone seems to think that the UCI deals only with pro men's road cycling or something, you know, and yeah. yeah. 
Um, so that's that's well worth a read. The last thing I've got, and Sarah, you might need me. You, I, I probably need your help to bounce back from this a little bit. Uh, I've just got to give everyone a little bit of a, a warning. This this one, this is the last thing I've got, and it is a bit of a sad thing. It's come through on Twitter while we were recording, but Chloe Hosking, uh, her family lost uh, their their pet dog Winnie today. Winnie passed away, and. Um, and so that's a bit of a sad moment and just wanted to say very sorry to hear the news, Chloe. And yeah. On that note, um, thanks for joining us. <laughs> I mean, there's no way to come back from that and not sound we'll like a complete asshole, week. is there? We'll be, so We'll be talking everything about the Lotto Decatur and the Trophée d'Or and looking forward to GP Plouet. And yeah, we'll have lots of happy things that don't involve dead animals. <laughs> We hope. I may be eating a bacon sandwich during the show. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> now I want bacon. <laughs> <laughs>